Hey everybody, before we get started, I want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Sportsman's Guide. Check out a link in the description below. Hey guys, welcome back to the Survival Show Podcast. I'm producer Ben. And before we get into today's Manly Musings segment, let me just remind you to hit that subscribe button. That way, you never miss any of our segments or shows. As you listen today, I hope this segment gives you some great food for thought to chew on for your day ahead. All right, let's get into it. Here's the man. The myth, the legend, Master Craig. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, the director of Nature Blind School. All around good guy, author, father, husband, and co-host of the Survival Show podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm in one of those kind of silly moods today. Had a good day today, got to spend a couple hours out. I'm doing a class next week for first responders, uh, basically flight nurses, some EMS, fire, as well as some state police dudes on disaster readiness. They're all going to come together. They're all from a specific area here in Kentucky, and we're going to work together and help them get their disaster readiness training put together well. So been a good day out scouting that location for them and working with them and make sure we got everything where it needs to be. I've got what I feel like is a pretty meaningful discussion for you today. And we're going to be, it's kind of like getting on a trail and walking down the trail. Okay, imagine this, you all. Get on that trail, start walking down the trail, and you're going to go up that little hill, and there's a switchback that takes you back the other direction, right? But you're still on the trail. Same trail, but you've taken a switchback, kind of going back a different direction. That's kind of like my manly musings today. Today for Manly Musings, I'm going to be going down the trail on one subject matter, and we're going to be on the same trail, but man, we're going to take a, a switch back pretty quick like and go another direction, but it's going to be all the same. So thanks for joining me on the trail today. I'll tell you what brought this discussion on. Basically, here, here's the gist of it. The first part of the trail is we're going to talk about bushcraft cults. And then we're going to talk about the scientific method of reasoning after that. So that's my switchback. And if you don't think I can combine those two in a productive podcast, then, you know, hook your seatbelt on, son, and get ready to rock because we're going to do it today. But I'll tell you what brought this on. Uh, there is an Instagram page called Bush Crap 101. And I have found much delight in checking out this Instagram. So if you happen to go in there and follow them, go in there and follow them and say, Craig Cottle sent you and let them know that I sent you there. I'm not getting any money or anything of it. I just love the thing and I want them to know that I'm supporting them. So check it out. It's really funny. But the reason I find it so funny is that it is basically questioning what is fast becoming the norm in bushcrafting, which is certain guys are the authorities. Uh, everybody learns how to do flat lays. And basically, you know, the bushcraft starter kit includes something like a, a wool anorak and a kooksa and some kind of ferro rod or some variation of it. You know, I mean, it's it's all rather hilarious to me because we we as a species of people are typically followers and we have a very much herd mentality as a species of of animal, if you will. And so we like to get in these groups and do these certain things a certain way. And because of that, 
we can get into some ruts that are really not productive ruts and to take it a step further way down the road maybe a few steps further we could easily get hung up in some sort of cult now i'm not talking about a cult to the limit of jim jones or some variation of that i'm not talking about that type of cult what i am talking about is if we look at the warning signs of a cult and particularly the warning signs of an of an unsafe group or leader then it's worth our while to consider whether these are the signs of a group that we're involved with when it comes to bushcraft okay so what i did is I just did a Google search like anybody else and said, you know, what makes a cult? Because I, I've been the victim of some people that I felt like were in bushcraft cults on my YouTube channel as trolls. I mean, they troll the poo-poo out of me. I mean, they, they love to hammer me on stuff that, quite frankly, I'm right about. I mean, and they, and they tell me I'm wrong. And the reason they tell me I'm wrong sometimes is because of the group that they are in, they feel very differently. And I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to mention any names. It's not, I'm not here to cause an argument between some group or other school or any number of things. I'm not interested in doing that at all. I quite frankly, don't care. But uh, I do have concern that some groups are interested in the herd, the group mentality, the authority of the leader, and not in the, not working towards helping students and us as individuals grow and expand our knowledge. Okay. So here's some warning signs of what I would consider a potentially unsafe group or leader. First is that there's no tolerance for questions or critical inquiry. Think about it. So some group leader says that this is the way they, a, a perfect example is that you should never baton wood with your knife. Okay. Somebody has said that you should never do that. And somebody else that says you should do that. And people did it all the time. And so because these two groups might be in opposition with one another, they get in an argument and who's right. And people, it, it usually causes more division than it causes people to come together. And quite frankly, I'm more interested in bringing people together. Come on, join in, learn together, right? That's been our motto for nearly a decade now. I mean, it's been who it is that we are and what we do at Nature Reliance School. Thank you, Tracy Tremble, for coming up with that. I've been utilizing that at the end of our videos for years now because it's, it's who we are. I mean, I want to bring people together. So another warning sign of a potentially unsafe group or leader is an unreasonable fear of the outside world. So in a real cult, that's obviously, if you think about David Koresh or Jim Jones or the, what was that, Haley's Comet cult where they, they all put the Nikes on and, and took the drug and fell asleep and all died out in California. Can't remember the name of it. But nevertheless, these cults, they have a real fear of anything outside of their group. Bushcrafting is no different. Uh, it, it's a sad state, and one of the things I've been really pleased with is seeing that there's been some of these events like this past weekend was the Georgia Bushcraft Gathering down in Georgia where a bunch of different schools came together. I know there was another one the same weekend down in Texas, the Texas Bushcraft Gathering. And so um, these things are good. It's good to have people come together of different thought processes and see how they go about doing things. And I like that. And some people don't want any part of that type of activity. And it's mainly because uh, 
of uh, a fear of, hey, their way is the only way. And if people go out and see another way works just as good or better, then it makes that person look bad or that school look bad. You know, I had a, a friend of mine who runs another school tell me that um, he, he had been part of yet another school. And he was told that he was not allowed to communicate with other people outside of that school. I mean, he was told not to do that. Don't do that. That's not allowed. And that is a true sign of a unsafe group or leader. I mean, that's that's borderline cult activity right there. So very interesting to consider that. Think about that if you're part of a group like that and see if your group is like this. Okay, another thing that is a warning sign is that uh, former members, if you run across people that used to be members, will tell these stories like this one I just mentioned where this, this fellow was telling a story about being part of the other school. And they, they tell the same stories about how the cult leader or the group leader said that you should do this, you shouldn't do that, had the base, basically, which is the same pattern of abuse, and everybody has the same grievances. And so you, you look at these situations, you hear multiple people that have left a group and they have, they say, this is true. This is true. This is true. All these same things are true. Then if there's a pattern there, I'm always about those patterns. I know I'm a statistical geek and I was, I'm trained to search out these patterns and analyze them from an intelligence perspective. But I'm just telling you, when you see those patterns and they're negative, then you need to pay attention to that. Um, and the next is that there's records of people that have been abused in these situations. And this is why I think the internet is a fantastic thing. It's also a really bad thing because anybody can say anything. You can ruin somebody's reputation with just a few words. And that is incredibly, uh, sad really more than anything. And I, and I hate social media for that reason. I mean, somebody could just ruin somebody's career and life and home life and everything based upon a lie. And that is sad. But what the internet does do is it makes it easier for people to see that a group has cult-like characteristics to it. And so you can find those things rather easily. There's a real famous school and I, and I promised I would not use any names and I'm not going to, there was a, but when I say this, I think most people know there was a real famous school up in the New Jersey area. I'll just leave it at that. That was basically from all, you know, if you look at all the signs of a cult, that group was a cult. Okay. And so, um, one of the things that caused a portion of its downfall later on was that, you know, the internet happened and people started talking. And, you know, when you would go to different schools, you would hear about that school and some of the problems that were coming at was just almost unbelievable, but people just didn't hear them because it was not easy to hear other people's opinions. And once those opinions were easy to find by others, then that school started falling out of favor. And again, I'm just not, you know, a lot of people know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, don't worry about it. It's not worth studying and research and find who it is. It's just worth considering. And another warning sign is people that are part of the group never feel like they can be as good as the top dog. And that just, that aspect of this absolutely blows my mind because even when I was teaching martial arts, my goal was always to teach my students to be better than me. I wanted them to be better at what we were doing together. No different now that I'm teaching 
Nature Reliance School classes full time and writing books about it. I want the people that read our books. I want the people that come to our classes to get smarter than me. And that's one of the reasons I'm sharing this scientific method because it works. I don't want them to be looking at me going, oh, Craig's done all this and only he can do it. I want them to do it. And um, within the restraints of their geography, where they live, their budget, how much money they have, and, you know, having a, uh, a regular existence where you're still part of your family. You don't just go off and live off in the woods or something like that uh, because, you know, you could lose a family real quick because of a hobby like bushcrafting. I don't, I'm not interested in that. So those are some signs of an ungroup, or I'm, I'm sorry, an unsafe group or leader. What I wanted to do next, here's the switchback I was talking about earlier, is hit this scientific method. Let's take a look at the steps that an entity, whether it be a scientist or a bushcrafter or a teacher or anybody that wants to dig into something and study it, the scientific method. If you, if you do a quick Google search on it, um, this is a process that I have basically broke down into five steps. But when I did a Google search on it, there was everywhere from six to 15, 20 different steps. But I did pull out six and I expanded on one of them that I've always utilized. And because of when I got to research, which is a good indicator of what I'm talking about, when I was doing research for this, I came up with some other things. I thought, hmm, I've been missing that myself, so I've added to it here. But the scientific method is here. I'm going to give you these six steps. Number one, make an observation or observations. Number two, ask questions about the observations and gather information. Number three, form a hypothesis. If you're not, if you're not familiar with hypothesis, that's basically just a, a, a description that uh, of what's being observed and you make predictions based upon that hypothesis basically you make predictions on what you think is going to happen number four is you test the hypothesis and predictions in an experiment that can be reproduced number five analyze the data and draw conclusions except to reject the hypothesis or modify the hypothesis if necessary and number six reproduce the experiment until there are no discrepancies between the observations and the theory. Now, what I thought I would do is I, I thought I would just pull something out of bushcrafting and then apply the scientific method to it. So because without applying it to bushcraft, then this is just like seventh grade science class, right? And, and I want us to be able to apply this to what it is that we do in bushcrafting or survival. And what I thought I would pull out is just simply bow drill fire making. Uh, that's just one skill. A lot of people really like to do it. Uh, it is definitely part of the bushcrafting hobby. And again, I use this word hobby. I think bushcrafting is a hobby. It's not a way of life for, for you know, 98% of the people that are out there. It is just a hobby. But what I thought I'd do is I'd apply the scientific method to bow drill fire making so we can see how to apply it to everything that we might do in a bushcrafting and survival training. So number one, make an observation or observations. All right, so we've made bow drill fire before. Let's say we've done that, and we make the observation that, hey, the wood that we used was moderately hard, and that helped us to drill utilizing the spindle into the hearth board. And the hypothesis is that if we used harder wood, it would not work. I'm not saying that's true, but that's what I'm saying is a hypothesis. And so 
Step number one, making observation observations. That is us paying attention to what we're doing with, with the bow drill firearm. Number two is ask questions about the observations and gather information. That's where we made the observations that the wood is moderately hard. And then number step number three, we formed a hypothesis, which is if we make a bow drill out of a hardwood, so just say, for example, we make it out of an ash or a, or a dogwood, for example, or live oak, or maybe even a real good scarlet oak or something of that nature, something that's really hard. Then we can then go to step four, which is test the hypothesis and predictions in an experiment. That's where we basically, hey, we're make a bow drill set and the spindle and hearth this time is made out of dogwood. Okay, dried dogwood. And number five, we analyze the data and draw conclusions. That's where, hey, we crank this bow drill fire out with this dogwood. And no matter how hard, no matter how long we spent on it, it never made a fire. And so our hypothesis originally was hardwoods are not good for a bow drill fire. And at this point, we analyze the data and we draw a conclusion. So let's say, for example, that we try dogwood and we go, well, maybe it's this dogwood. So we go find another piece of dogwood that's dried out and we do that. And then maybe we go, okay, maybe it is just dogwood. Maybe it's not just hardwoods. Maybe it's just dogwood in particular. There's some sort of chemical in it or resin or something in the dogwood. I'm not saying any of that's true. I'm just saying, hey, that's that might be true. So let's get another hardwood. Let's say we get something like a, a scarlet oak or something of that nature. Um, so with that said, we look at it and go, huh, we couldn't do it with scarlet oak either. And again, I'm not saying that you can or can't. I'm just saying, hey, let's say that we uh, we can't. And so our hypothesis is that hardwoods don't make good bow drill fire sets. And we have then proven it true because we use the same handhold. We use the same bow. We use the same bow string. Weather conditions were the same. Environmental conditions were the same. Everything around it surrounding it was the same except the wood that made up the spindle on the hearth. And so we can then reproduce that over and over again. That's point number six and determine if that's true or not true. So that's what I mean by applying the scientific method. And the question might come up to you, why in the world are you talking about this, Craig? I mean, really, how does this apply to cults? Well, let me tell you, friend, pull up a seat, Pull up a log here and let's sit around the campfire and let's talk about it for a second. What I mean by doing this and what my intention was is that if you're watching Joe Blow, Bushcrafter, let's say you're watching a YouTube guy and on a video and you see that he says, okay, this is the best knife ever made and I'm going to split this white oak with this knife and show you how easy it is to utilize this knife to baton wood. And then when it hits, it goes straight through it. I mean, like butter, like a hot knife through butter. It just, boom, it goes through it. The wood bounces off and you go, wow, that is amazing. So what should you do? Let's say you buy the knife because you saw this experiment. And then you pick up a piece of white oak and you beat into it and it doesn't go anywhere. And you go, wow, in my mind, what could easily happen? You go, man, I'm just not good. I don't know what I'm doing. I saw him with a knife. I saw him with the white oak, and I'm doing, using the same wood. I'm using the same knife. The only thing that's different is him. What must be my problem? Okay. 
when in fact what's going on is that he wasn't splitting white oak at all. He was just trying to sell a knife. And because of that, he was splitting quaking aspen, which, you know, would split with a, you know, a dog hair. And you didn't realize that he was just fibbing to you. He was just doing everything he could to make his knife look good, telling you it was white oak. When, and actually, you're looking at the video going, man, I don't think that's white oak. Well, that's because you're right. That's because you're dead on right. So with that said, you can then apply the scientific method to what's going on and make a determination that is outside the realm of emotion or outside the realm of looking at somebody as a leader, as a cult leader, for example, and making your own decisions based on science. That's, you know, I don't explain it exactly like that in our classes, but the way that I try to encourage people with my books and videos and classes and everybody that teaches for Nature Reliance School is the same way is that we want you to figure out the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear for you. And so your environmental conditions are different than ours. Your family conditions are different than ours. Uh, the woods, the weather, the any number of things are different than ours. And so it's about you coming up with a way to look at a situation, analyze it, and, uh, and make the appropriate decision and guesses on how it should go. And so the scientific method is a way of doing that. So let's, let's go back through these again real quick. Number one in the scientific method is make an observation or observations. Number two, ask, ask questions about the observations and gather information. By the way, if you can hear my dog barking in the background, that's because, you know, dogs bark. So, hey, this show is real. <laughs> Number three is form a hypothesis. Number four test the hypothesis and predictions in an experiment that can be reproduced. That's why I was saying use all the same materials except change the wood out for the bow drill. Number five, analyze the data and draw conclusions except to reject the hypothesis or modify the hypothesis if necessary. Number six, re reproduce the experiment until there are no discrepancies between observations and theory. So yeah, that's the scientific method. It's basically elementary or middle school age science class, right? And I think the further we get along or the further we get away from understanding what kind of things that we've learned, even in grade school, then it's easy for us to fall victim when we see somebody that has more skill than we have. And that's why it's easy for a bushcraft cult to be formed. And I would like to avoid it. Another way is to check out bush crap 101 the instagram page that i was mentioning earlier because it's hilarious and again tell them i sent you hey again i'm not trying to get any money i'm just i'm not trying to get favor i, I don't care i just want those guys to know that i'm trying to help them get some get the message out because i, I think they do provide a good message i love there's a there's a quote and I, man i can't think about it now that i brought it up but there's a quote that that basically paraphrase is something like we should be able to laugh at ourselves right and if we can't laugh at ourselves then we're not healthy I, I think that all of us should be able to laugh at ourselves and recognize when we've made errors or when we are wrong and because of that i love that instagram page and and i love hanging out with the people that are that surround the campfire with us at nature reliance school i really appreciate you all that listen here at the survival show podcast with all your feedback you've been incredibly incredibly helpful in helping us uh, improve this podcast 
You can continue to support the podcast by listening. Obviously, give it a five-star rating wherever you are listening to it. Subscribe to the podcast. For those of you who have already done all that, thank you very much. You're the coolest. You're the best. You're the greatest. We really appreciate you. And obviously, check out our sponsor, the Sportsman's Guide. Link in the description below. And if you follow that link, then it lets them know that, hey, we're sending people there. And so if you're interested in buying some outdoor gear, check it out on Sportsman's Guide first. If they have the best price, then go with them if you don't care. And that uh, that helps us do what we're doing, and we really appreciate you for that. So this has been Craig Cottle. I'm signing off as co-host of the Survival Show podcast for this particular podcast. Until next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.